Man. <laughs> I can't tell. I think that's Nipsey, but it sounded a little too short at first. That was too short at the beginning. Yeah, it was. It was uh, um, uh, my man Kyle. I forgot. I couldn't remember. Kyle, okay. Yeah. yeah, I knew I heard too short. Uh, <clears throat> this is bitch. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know exactly who it was then. <laughs> <laughs> What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Bruising Banter Podcast, where the topic is the rocket and the brew. Will that be the fuel? And I'm your host, Rob G. And with me, as always, the legendary brew crew. What up, fellas? What is going on, everyone? What's up? <laughs> Hi. Oh, did, did you say, uh, uh, was that your... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that was my intro. He threw the guns, fire. too. He threw them guns up, fire. too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is episode Hello. 81 of Bruise and Banter, and it is volume 17 of our social distancing series. So, as always, we have a special guest with us today. We have Brewmaster from Precarious Beer Project, Greg Fleehart. How are you today, sir? Good. Yeah. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank welcome. you for coming, welcome. Greg. Yeah, welcome to the stage. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry that you had nothing else to do, but to... <laughs> yeah, this is a good place to be. Yeah, it is a good place. Yeah, to be. I'm just joking. Looks like I'm the only one to miss the memo on the um on the attire for today's show. The 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 green and the black seems to be real cohesive. True. The look Very for today, and I'm, and I'm faded gray. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we need a cut. We need a cut and change. It was on the WhatsApp. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and what's that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you gotta have more than sixteen gigs to get that memo. You know, Jeez. <laughs> all right. This is episode eighty-one, as I said. And um, before we get into it, I probably want to go go around. Uh, I guess the, uh, the brew crew can tell us what we are drinking today. Uh, I guess, and whoever wants to start first, uh, Lou, you can. Tell I'll start. I just cracked it. I'll start. Um, the first beer from we're going to do all three of our beers today from Precarious uh, since we have the Brewmaster on. Uh, we have Phase Three is our first beer. It is a five point five alcohol by volume. It says here it has a hundred percent Nelson Savan hops. Is that correct, Greg Savan? So. Uh, it's a dry hop <laughs> session IPL, <laughs> and it's in a, a one pint gla- a one pint uh, can. 
It looks like this. It looks like this. <laughs> nice, nice color. Yeah, nice, nice gold, golden, nice golden color. Yep. I, don't, yep. I don't know. That glass mm-hmm. don't look too clean. I, I saw a lot Uh-oh. of bubbles in there. <laughs> yeah. I saw bubbles clean. It doesn't matter. It definitely smells glass. delicious. It definitely smells delicious. It tastes just like an IPA or an IPL supposed to taste. Mm. Well, For all you guys that drink IPAs and IPLs. Go ahead and pass yourself another. So, so you yeah. say you don't. So you say you don't like it. <laughs> I'll have just one. Thank you for the still drink IBAs. Right. Yeah. All right, I got you. And uh, I'm gonna go next. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I am um, representing, I should say, the Black is Beautiful out of uh, Precarious. This is their Imperial Stout with lactose and conditioned cocoa nibs, chilies, and allspice. This here uh, comes in at a whopping 10% ABV. Um, And as you know, this is to uh, show or pay homage, I guess you should say, um, for the support of justice and equality for our people of color, special edition um, style. So this is is all the way live right here. This is a delicious dark pour. And uh, this is definitely a pass me another because I I got to preview this already. So good, so good, Shut up, man. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and our third one is going to be uh, "Don't Tell Mom," which is uh, playoff of "Don't Tell Mom." The babysitter's dead. Ah, nice, right? Is it? <laughs> Are you guessing that? Or <laughs> nah, it actually says it on the can. The babysitter's dead. Uh-huh. Gotcha. See, you don't read the can. I read the not, can. I do not read the can. <laughs> he, don't, he don't do no research, Yoda. <laughs> I just know it was a, I just know it was a Berliner Weiss. Not Weiss. Weiss. Yeah, Berliner Weiss. Weiss. Yeah, yeah, so this is a Berliner Weiss brew with uh, local Virginia raspberries and Idaho gem hops. Mm. And this comes in at a uh, 4.5 ABV. And this is a fruited, part of the uh, fruited sour series. So I actually can't wait to drink this one. I should have popped this one open first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds like we got some good beers and we can't wait to uh, get the backstory on them. Before we do, yeah. we, we always like to know exactly, um, start the interview in terms of exactly introducing yourself and how, how you got into uh, the craft beer industry and all that. And then we can go uh, into uh, all about the uh, Precarious Beer Project. But first, we just like to know about uh, who is Greg and how did Greg get into beer? Let us know. How uh, are you, Greg? Who are you? <laughs> Complex. It's very. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I was uh, born and raised in the Seattle area. Uh, okay. so I was on the West Coast until I was moved over to Virginia when I was, you know, so about five years ago. Okay. Okay. And I started brewing uh, as a home brewer. So I started just in a tiny apartment, um, you know, with a kettle burner on the deck. It was probably not to code. It probably could have burned my place down. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely started and got obsessed and learned a lot. And um, 2008 came along and uh, I was laid off from my job and uh, had nothing to lose really. So I tried and got a job at a um, brewery uh, across the water from me. Uh, called Silver City Brewing Company, okay. and uh, they're still around today, and they're a huge regional brewery now. Um, phenomenal people, phenomenal beers. Uh, so I mm-hmm. learned learned basically for how to professionally brew from those guys. So I was there for, I think, coming up on two years, and then um, had some, like, short stints at, you know, all the breweries throughout, like, Fremont Brewing Company, 
Um, and, and then, um, Bainbridge Island Brewing Company, a buddy of mine owns. So I helped him out a little bit and, uh, just kind of continued to grow. Um, and then decided to move to the East coast to kind of go into a location like Virginia's craft brew scene is, is, was blowing up at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right on that like upslope, you know, where you're really experienced like people are really starting to really get into craft beer. Mm-hmm. The laws had changed a few years before that, um, where tasting rooms could open and actually serve beer to the public. Right. Around what year is this, Greg? Um, so I think that bill passed six or probably seven or eight years ago. Okay. Okay. Um, and so that's when you started to see more and more craft breweries pop up mm-hmm. um, because because that law became it became feasible financially for breweries to operate. Um, so I started Commonwealth, uh, brewing company down in Virginia beach. That's where I first landed. I was there for about two and a half years, I think. Um, and then it then became more of like a big production style brewery. And so I went up and then I went up to a precarious beer project to kind of get back down to the brew pub roots and try to do really creative, small batch stuff. Uh, so, so when you first started home, bro, what was like one of the first beers that you brewed? Uh, I think the first beer that I I was doing that Mr. Beer Kit for a little bit, right. I did like okay. a, couple, a couple of those, and um, it got me hooked. But I was also really frustrated because it didn't turn out exactly how I wanted it. Mm-hmm. So I got really wanted more control over the process and stuff. And so I started doing like you know extract and partial mash, and I did a um, IPA with a buddy of mine uh, that was Cascade and Amarillo, like West Coast style IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually phenomenal. I really liked that one. I did a uh, uh, Porter, I think, a uh, dry stout from my dad's birthday because he's a big stout guy. Um, started doing like saisons, and I did like an American wit with chamomile tea and coriander and stuff. He's just doing them all. Yeah, I, I, I think my yeah, first all year, in. my first year homebrewing, I think I did. Man, what was it? I think I did like. 60 batches of beer. Jeez. So I was definitely busy. I remember at one point I had 170 bottles of beer in my house. Who, where are you, who are you giving this beer to? Oh, that was, they were Christmas presents. All you. Yeah, they were, they were everyday presents. Just walking down the street, here's a beer. Anybody want to drink with me? Here's a post. Right. You post something on social media. Yeah, and the social media wasn't even – I mean, yeah. Facebook was kind of a thing. Uh, right. at that point and yeah. Instagram I don't think it even existed no um, or barely did but it was it was more a labor of love and it was it was something yeah. I enjoyed the process and enjoyed you know learning more and growing more and trying to get better um, so and I had a really cool homebrew shop that was like a bike ride down the street and mm-hmm. so I would ride down there fill up my backpack with ingredients and ride back up and be able to brew um, so mm-hmm. it was it was a it was a fun time it was I got really obsessed with it for sure Mm-hmm. When you said that um, that the beers weren't turning out how you wanted them to be when you first started, what was wrong with them? Um, I didn't quite understand the process um, as well as I should have. So, like when I I got a, a IPA kit for the Mister Beer, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, I know better than the Mister Beer guys, so I'm going to do it a different way." So <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, add these." hop pellets for dry hopping to get the big burst of aroma. And what I had been reading was, well, you add them in the hot side to get more flavor. So I added that like 
Okay. I don't know, 10 minutes in foil or something. Ooh. And mm. I just, it was like this just earwax flavored beer. Ooh. Ew. Yeah. Couldn't pour on that. Uh, and, and then, then Sours one, came out and you were like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it. <laughs> yeah. Before my time. Yeah. So it was, it, it was just, I think, more, I didn't understand, I didn't, the ingredients that I was getting in those little tiny kits were not fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the fermentation was really not great on those because it's, you know, you're using like tiny little bit of yeast. And right. so I started doing more stuff and like buying different yeasts and um, doing partial mashes and doing that in the Mr. Beer. And then I started getting carboys and doing five gallon batches, um, partial boils, and then got a kit, like a, uh, got a dorm fridge and gutted it and put a temp probe in it. And so I had like a fermentation chamber. So I could just start doing lagers. Mm. Uh, so I started doing like my first lager was a Munich Dunkel. Mm-hmm. That turned out pretty good. Um, so I just. Do kept... you have a roommate or anything at this time? I, I had a wife at the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to say because somebody is. Ta- I know you're encroaching on somebody's space. Somebody. Right. <laughs> this is the first year. <laughs> uh, this was, I think, yeah. This was like within two years of being married, and then. Uh-huh. You know, oh, great! Just. <laughs> Blow it off. And she was in grad school at the time, too. Oh, man, you was just killing her life right there. <laughs> so, it was, she definitely put up with it pretty well. Okay. All right. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because normally they, they don't, but yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm fighting for, I'm fighting for the top shelf in my refrigerator right now. I'm like, look, I get my mini fridge, leave my shit alone. <laughs> See, like, drink more. You need to drink more. Get this crap right. out of here. What are we yeah. doing with all of this? Like, <laughs> I'm look, drinking it. It looks trying. good in there. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I got more coming in from Florida, but leave my shit alone. <laughs> uh, no. Did you, uh, was there, like, normally we do talk, we talk to uh, other brewers who start in their house, and if they have a significant other, they're usually the ones that push them to get out of the house of brewing. Uh, was she the one that gave you the extra push or where did you find uh, the extra push to, to get out and start finding other breweries to work for and, and perfect your crap? Um, I, yeah, I think there was definitely an element of support there. Um, and also it was kind of like I said, like I had nothing to lose. So um, I lost my job and we, you know, had to get out of our apartment and like I was on unemployment and any money was good money. So we were right, living right. with then in-laws and, so it was a, it was really something I just, and I, I was actually. You were brewing beers in the in-laws house? Yeah, too. Yep. Wow. <laughs> they, love, they must That's, love They love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> they love Greg. <laughs> they're, they're, they're a lot, so. Greg's a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I ended up uh, uh, getting, I was uh, working volunteering for like a really, one of the first nano breweries in Seattle actually called Gilligan's. Um, and it was Sky I met through Homebrew Club that owned it. And it was basically they'd brew like one batch a week, and it was like a two barrel system in in one of those active spaces before they banned those breweries in active spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a, just a, like a tiny little couldn't even fit a car in the um, space, and it was right on the um, right on this uh, Burke Gilman Trail, which is like this you know exercise trail and bike trail okay. very long um, okay. in the Seattle area. So mm-hmm. they had a lot of walk up foot traffic, and they you know could taste and sell growlers and stuff. So that was that was. Mm-hmm. I use that experience to leverage like interest in me coming to work for a bigger brewery because they had known that brewery and they're like, oh yeah, we did a beer dinner with them one time. Um, so I had a little bit of professional experience, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then interviewed and, and got the job. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing. I was working. My first month was 
part time. I think it was like fifty percent time for like ten dollars an hour, and mm-hmm. I was commuting on a ferry over um, across the water. So I was oh, spending man. like two hundred fifty dollars a month just on ferry. Just fare. on the ferry ride, right? and. Damn, yeah. so you was actually getting yeah. paid five dollars though. Yeah. So I was I was basically breaking even working for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got full time and then I got a raise and I got lead brewer and then you know, so it kind of they took care of me because I was investing, you know, right now. Yeah. How long did the payoff come from the time you started to the time you were not breaking even? Uh it was only about a month of that like craziness. Oh, oh yeah. good. Oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah. They were I think it was gonna be more like a two or three month process, but the head brewer was like, I need the help and Mm-hmm. Greg's doing a job. So. They see you, you know, it was, was a quick start. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. No, I was, I was that like shows you put in that good first 30 days. You never know. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Work hard. It was hard to yeah. I mean, I think, I think I lost probably 40 pounds when I first started working. Because, mm-hmm. you know, their grain room was a level above the brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, and they literally was like an extension ladder from Home Depot. That mm. could up there, and so we were we were taking whole sacks of grain up this ladder. Oh shit! Yeah, um, like it was like wobbling and stuff. And oh yeah. Um, so they did have a grain silo, so our base malt was coming out of the silo, which was nice. But we would still get truckloads of malt and have to just bug it, pump them up the ladder. It's no AC or anything. So talking about some work. It was working, boy. Yeah, bro. Yeah. No, I always like to. I guess I probably could ask earlier, but in terms of. Um, have you always liked beer with their or craft beer? I should say, yeah. or with their beer that you you drink? I'm like, yo, I want, I, I love this, and which which actually got you to, to buy the Mister Beer kits and all that kind of stuff. With the one, yeah. Beer what's your like, gateway? Yo. What's your gateway beer? I I think I can more or less pinpoint it to one beer. I mean, I, I craft beer was kind of a big thing, and I got got into it in college. Um, I went to college at Gonzaga University, Spokane. Mm. Um, you're probably familiar with the basketball team. It's pretty famous. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. John Stockton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I was, there was a brewery down, um, I was drinking some craft beers and they're pretty mundane craft beers. You know, they're, they're more like the tangerine wheats and the, you know, pale ales and stuff like that. They're pretty standard beers. Um, and I wasn't really into it at that time. We're really into it at the time. And then we went down to a brewery that was just down the street called, um, Northern lights brewing. And now they're called no lie. Um, uh, and they brewed right there, and it was pretty cool. We went there for some dinner, and it was like their 13th anniversary, I think. And they had released a double IPA, and I'd never even heard of a double IPA. I was like, well, what the hell is that? So I got it, um, and it was the most flavor I've ever experienced in a beverage. It was, in you know, a beverage, wow. Yeah, I mean, intense hops, intense aroma, intense malt, um, sweet, bitter, complex. It was – I sipped that snifter, I think, probably for 45 minutes, Um and was just like, how is this possible they have this much flavor in a beer? So I got more and more. I was always interested in the process, but I got more into it and more into it and started getting, you know, into the hops and into that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. got, you know, got into like Stone Ruination was a big one. And, you know, um, finally got to taste Pliny the Elder. And so there's lots of influences past that, but that was kind of the big aha moment that I had was was that no, no lie 13th anniversary beer. And, um, that really kind of kickstarted the interest, I think. All right. Um, what's your um out of all the brew styles that you've made and gone through? Like, what's your favorite brew style to to drink, and what's your favorite uh, brew style to actually brew? Yeah, I get this question a lot, and it's kind of a hard one for me to answer because I think the process of brewing is interesting. Um, so, I really enjoy brewing 
Belgian style beers. Um, that's mm. a huge passion point for me. Um, I really enjoy brewing lagers. Um, I enjoy the process of brewing IPAs. I don't drink a lot of IPAs. Um, I've been drinking a lot more like West Coast style IPAs. Mm. Um, uh, cause yeah, my girlfriend's like huge into West Coast style IPAs. So she's been drinking a lot of those and I've just been kind of getting back into them cause that's kind of like where I came from. So that's been nice. And, um, hazies are fun to brew. That was a big challenge for me was, um, trying to get hazies right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's still a process, but it's, that was probably one of the biggest challenges in my brewing career was trying to brew a hazy that was significant and good and actually made people go, okay, well, this is actually a true hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there wasn't a lot of that happening in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So it was, I think the answer was doing kind of a hybrid style. Um, and then the, the veil obviously came out with, one, two punch of doing hazies and that kind of changed the game. So, um, we started doing them in Commonwealth and there was definitely a learning curve there. Um, all right. So hey, Lou, there's hope for you, Lou. There's hope for you. There is an IPA out there for you. Okay? Well, I mean, I, I've had a couple that I like, but most of them I don't. I'm just saying like, you gotta, you just gotta, you gotta I, venture out and find that one. So it's one. I don't, in your have, I don't have any problem tasting them all. I'm a, I'll find one. I'll taste them all. You but taste they, them, they, but you're they, not they, seeking them. All right. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't seek them either. <laughs> yeah, you put you them in front of me. I, you, put, yeah. you find them, Devin. You find them for me. <laughs> I'll drink them and let you know. Find it for me. Find me my perfect IPA. Yeah, I'm like, with you, man. I, I, I gotta, I gotta. I give you credit. I know that those uh, lactose precarious. ones kind of, okay. kind of good. That's yeah. great. So, about your, your but thing. with this, uh, <laughs> yeah, with yeah. This, <laughs> this phase three though, this isn't uh, bad because I, I'm not really into the IPAs either. But I don't know if it's because I was hot as hell and I was thirsty. <laughs> but this is good. Like it, it, it got a quick my thirst. This is, IP, like, for this is the IPL fax- though. This is the oh, IPL. Yeah, I'm about to say. I think the fax machine the L is a bit for? more. Lager. Their fax machine is a bit more, uh, a little bit more taste flavorful of various that you would like it. Yeah, fax machine yeah. music's good. Uh, it's that one's good. A little lighter, really soft, um, easily drinkable. Yeah. yeah. So while so while we're drinking this. Um, this IPL uh, phase three. Yeah. Uh, can you tell more 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 about it in terms of the process and 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 what exactly is IPL for folks who do not um, know? We call it IPL yeah, for them. because we think it would be a little sexier than dry hop pilsner. Uh, <laughs> it's. I think you can really take IPL could be is essentially an IPA, uh, but brewed with lager yeast. Mm. Um, so we used uh, lager yeast. This is pil- just Pilsner malt. I think this is, this is Belgian Pilsner malt, uh, Dingman's Belgian Pilsner malt, and then just like some dextrin malt for body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it's hopped, uh, like we would hop, um, a, a IPA. So there's like Whirlpool edition and then it's dry hopped with Nelson. Um, there's a small bittering charge as well, just to bring that bitterness up. So I think like an IPL, you can get away with a little more bitterness because people are expecting, you know, hops. So right. we wanted mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit more bitterness to it than we would do in like an actual um, Pilsner. And the hops in this are big, you know, there's a little bit of that dank, there's a little bit of grapefruit, there's a little bit mm-hmm. of um, goose, like, but a decent amount of like gooseberry white wine. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc kind of character. Yeah, I do um, taste that. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's kind of more in line with like uh, IPA, some of those notes, but there's also kind of Pilsner elements to it. So we called it a dry hop session IPL because it's lower alcohol than a traditional IPL would be, like six to seven percent would be a normal IPL. Um, so it's 
weird roundabout way of kind of saying, you know, dry hot pilsner. <laughs> mm, you can definitely taste them. I mean, you can tell both of them. You can taste some of the floral notes, but you're also going to have some of the, that pilsnery taste to it as well. Yeah. So I, I, I yeah. I'll it's kind of cool about it has kind of has those multiple layers to it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's a favorite for a lot of brewers. Because that's the, 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 the pilsner part is that cleansing part. Like it kind of has like a smooth yeah. You know, the almost refreshing, the refreshing on the yeah. back end. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just clean. It's dry. Yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah the lager snap is nice. Yeah. Now it was made for the heat. I mean, it was made for yeah. Because I was going to yeah. say, I just came. It's the summertime. Is this that, a se- is it seasonal thing? Yeah, most of our beers are seasonal. One and done. So oh, okay. Uh, okay. Um, a lot of them are beers. Well, a lot of beers are going to cans that we've done before and it's been successful. So we bring it back cause it's like, you know, Oh, we need a, another dive IPA in the mix. So right. we'll bring back one that we've done before. Um, Something to look yeah. forward to, Rob. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we have go back to VA cool new idea. Um, <laughs> so I mean, we we're putting out two to four to sometimes five new beers a week. Mm. Ooh. Mm, nice. Are you guys canning all the, all those styles every week? Uh, we're we're only releasing like one to two beers and cans a week. Okay, okay. Because okay. uh, it's a, it's a lot of process to get the yeah, can for sure. designed and 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 printed and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of the design, uh, this phase three here, um, I love the can design, but it looks like four phases. There's yellow, red, green, and blue. Do you have any information behind that? <laughs> yellow, red, green, blue. So that um that phase well, three. Andrew, the owner Andrew, does a lot of our labels for us too. Okay. Uh, so he, we come up with you know names and and ideas, and then he'll put some together, and we'll bounce stuff back and forth. Um, so that was actually based on a chart that he found about the phases of uh, coronavirus and stuff like that. So oh, okay, um, that's nice. actually based on. It looks a lot like the actual okay. uh, chart, but mm-hmm. he changed some of the colors to make it look interesting. And this was the first time we tried a transparent back label. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a pain because just to get okay. it made, they have to do like they have to do the transparent back, and then they have to do a bunch of different layers because we right, have to for have the colors. That, yeah, we have to have that um, white on the bottom because we have a, a sensor on the labeler that has to read where this label stops, mm. and if it's transparent, you can't read it. Um, right. So there was a lot of logistics involved in it, and then the label material itself was different, so it started creaking, creasing, and we had to adjust a bunch of stuff. But got you. Um, so but yeah, can, yeah, can label canning and labeling all all in house, huh? Yeah, yeah. So we have a, nice. a three head fill, um, semi automated canning line. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, you just put cans in the chute here, and then it rinses them, purges them, fills them, lids them, mm-hmm. washes them off, and then mm-hmm. um, off the other side they go awesome. on a conveyor belt, get labeled, and then someone's taking them, put them in cases and pack tech and tops. Why did you name it uh, Phase Three, Greg? Because we were getting into phase three of opening in Virginia. We got yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's dope. <laughs> Wait, are they still at phase three? They didn't go back, did they? We did not yeah. go back. Okay. But they go backwards. We okay. Very stern talking to from Governor North. <laughs> yeah. Very stern talking to. <laughs> we will not F this shit up. Okay? <laughs> yeah. He's a... He's a He's a pediatrician, I think, was his uh, previous career. So previous he's career. pretty okay. tapped into healthcare. Health, well, yeah. Well, health yeah, and that's good. Is, is paramount for him. And uh, actually, our um, our operations manager, Julie, was sitting down working on something. And she, I guess she had 
she had something going on in the background and it sounded like you're being selfish. You're being stupid. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I was like, is that a self-help book or a book on tape or something or a podcast? She's like, Oh no, that's governor Northam's speech. <laughs> <laughs> hey. like, Good for him. Keep it Frank. Yeah. Keep it all the way Frank. He's yeah. come a long way. He's, he's come a long way from a year ago. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a very nice gentleman. And now he's getting a little bit like, Daddy's angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Governor Hogan in Maryland, he was like the same way. He was like, "What are y'all doing?" I mean, yeah. I, I mean, because I, I, eventually it does affect. I mean, it affects everybody. So you gotta, everybody gotta be accountable to help mm-hmm. each other. Hmm, right. But I'm still here wondering what this would have been called if we weren't in uh, phase three. <laughs> yeah. You never know. <laughs> we will never know. I tend to come up with some pretty wacky names, and between me and Matt, the other brewer. Uh, we come up with some pretty wacky stuff and, and Julie chimes in and Andrew chimes, everyone kind of chimes in with okay. it. Yeah. yeah cool. Talk a little bit about the, um, you know, the, the kind of the Q, the QA, like how you guys, uh, you know, from the moment you kind of, you get an idea or you start kind of coming up with these recipes, um, how, and kind of what's your, what's your taste panel or your QA uh, system that you guys have kind of back, back in on the back end. Um, yeah, well, it's, recipes really start, um, in a lot, they can start in different ways. So it can start with, uh, we want to get another West coast IPA in mm-hmm. mix. So mm-hmm. I look at what we've done in the past and, you know, maybe we want a lighter body one this time. Maybe we want one that's a little bit darker, a little bit more, um, malt forward. And then looking at hop combinations that we have and, and trying mm-hmm. to determine what's different what's new, but still kind of in the same vein. Mm-hmm. Um, so lagers is like, so I'll look at what styles we want to have in house, uh, what we want to put in cans, what we're missing on our portfolio kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then go from there. And sometimes it's also like we have a bunch of like leftover bags of malt that, you know, mm-hmm. we got a better extract on the first brass than we were hoping. So we left a bag out and we have, now we have an extra bag. And over time those will accumulate and we'll put a beer together with what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that turns out really fantastic. So, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and then we yeah. end up rebrewing that later. Uh, but so it's, it's a lot, it's, it's, inspiration comes from a lot of different places, mm-hmm. um, and we have a lot of series too. So um, names are a little easier when you have a series because you mm-hmm. can kind of use that as a jumping off point for naming the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it comes from all over the place, and, and when we brew the beer. You know, we're, we're tasting the malt, we're tasting, uh, we're not tasting the hops, but we're, we're smelling the hops and sensory, make sure that they're fresh. And our suppliers, we only use the suppliers that we trust, um, and we don't have any problems with, you know, quality of ingredients with those suppliers. So, but we always are just using our senses to check. And then during fermentation, we're, you know, checking gravities and we're smelling the beer and making sure it's where it needs to be and tasting it. And then, and then we uh, do forced acetal tests on all of our beers. So we take mm-hmm. a sample um, heat it up to 120 degrees for 20 minutes and mm-hmm. then, um, cool it back down and then we smell it and taste it. And if there's going to be any diacetyl in that beer, it'll show up in that test. Um, uh, so we'll get a couple noses on it, smell it before we crash cool it, um, to let okay. it a little bit. So that's part of it. And then, uh, we hold cans after we fill them for a mm-hmm. while, do sensory on that and make Got sure it. no leaks and it's holding up and that the deal yeah, levels the aren't flavors. Shelf life's good, huh? Yeah, yeah, and we've been we've been we've had some l- trouble with seamers because our can supplies keep changing because of this um, this big of this pandemic with cans. Mm-hmm. Um, so the specs will be slightly different on the cans, and so we really have to kind of keep an eye on that to make sure that it's not you know really mm-hmm. a problem. 
So we'll, we'll do that. And then uh, we'll also just crack them up and make sure there's nothing funky going on. Okay. This popped in my head as you were explaining that process. Like, is there a right or wrong way to, um, I guess you would say, um, can you, can you have a beer first in the refrigerator, take it out, uh, you know, have it room temperature or and like if you're traveling and then, then put it back into a refrigerator. Are there any kind of in between temperatures you should try to like maintain or keep a, a, a canned beer um, in if, you know, just for the sake of travel or shipping? Or yeah. So the moment it gets above uh, basically zero C, so mm-hmm. 32 degrees Fahrenheit, um, the moment it gets above that freezing point, freezing point of water, um, it starts to degrade. So oxidation reactions are happening as soon as it gets above that point. So it. whenever it's warm, it's going to start to oxidize. Mm-hmm. So you want to try to keep it cold as possible for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're going to a buddy's house, uh, I like to throw an ice pack in wherever. In, there, in the bag or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something to help maintain its temperature. Um, and the other problem would be if you go from cold to hot to cold, if you do that enough, um, it's going to affect the haze of the beer. So if you're like a nice Pilsner that's nice and clear, mm-hmm. you do that a couple times and all of a sudden those those compounds are going to start creating haze inside. Okay. Yeah. I, I asked because like I was talking about earlier, just having um, some space issues. Uh, my my immediate go-to right now has been like the, the basement area because obviously it's a lot colder down there. Um, but also, you know, keeping – um, them in somewhat of a like a in a like a, a, a cooler uh, even down there, but I don't know if that's isolating um, it too much and or should I out. just out on a shelf in the basement um, simply you know because it's already cooler down there. That's why I asked. Yeah, and that, and I think it's de- depending on the beers too. So dark beers tend to um, fare a little bit better, partially because the the roasted malts cover up the flavor of oxidation pretty well. Okay. So it's it's a similar enough flavor that it doesn't really it doesn't show up as fast. Um, okay. There's also some debate about um, darker malts having more antioxidant properties, so they'll actually absorb and scrub the CO2, uh, the O2 uh-huh. out of the beer. Um, hoppy beers tend to not do very well because they are those hop compounds are really volatile, mm-hmm. and so as soon as they get hot or if they come in contact with oxygen, they start to degrade really fast. So I would say hoppy beers have to stay in your fridge. Okay. Um, Imperial stout barrel aged stuff. That's better on a shelf if you don't have space for it. Okay. Um, Loggers tend to do okay. As long as they're like malt forward loggers and not like pilsners are pretty hoppy. So you want to try to keep those cold. So anything with a hot presence, you want to try to keep cold. Anything that's more malty will do a little bit better warmer. Got it. Okay. And higher alcohol tends to do better too. All right. Thanks for that storage game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need it while I'm uh, internet shopping. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, awesome. A question in terms of work now. In terms of when you moved over from you said Commonwealth uh, to Precarious, was it like something that was already in the works, or were you on the at the ground floor at Precarious? Like, was it was it like was the name picked out uh, when you joined? Was it open? Uh, actually when I, so they had delayed their opening. It was going to, it was the Amber Ox kitchen and brewery was the original name of okay. the location um, that we still operate out of um, our original brewery. And we also have a second facility um, about three mm-hmm. blocks away. That's Precarious Beer Hall. I think that's the one you guys visited. Yep. Um, okay. Yep. That's the one with the, you know, crazy shit on the walls. and the, Yeah. And a taco bar. Taco bar. 
I'm glad I didn't get tacos though. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, they got a taco bar. Y'all didn't get any yep. tacos? We had nice. just ate. We just ate, yeah. Then we went there. You at least got a taco to go. <laughs> One taco is a snack. I know. <laughs> they we'll they pile it on with tacos, though, man. Let me tell you. We'll be there next week, so we'll get some. We'll be there next week. We're coming back. <laughs> We're going next week? Yeah. Yeah. So they were. Oh, crazy. They were, <laughs> were you, okay, okay. I remember you asking me. Yeah. They were uh, Amber Rocks Kitchen and Brewery, and then uh, I came on. But they had, a, they had a brewer before I started, but he bailed last minute, like, out of the blue. Mm. Um, so they were stranded with uh, a brewery and a brewer. So mm-hmm. uh, they had to lay their opening like a month or three or something. Wow. Like wow. Year. Um, and the owners took a crack at making a couple batches and they kept one and uh, dumped the other one. But they mm-hmm. had no training. They just made it happen, which is cool. But um, so I came in. Uh, they needed me right away. So I started working weekends there and I was still uh, running Commonwealth full time. So I was, wow. I think, in a. 40 day period. I had a single day off and this was my daughter's birthday. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It was pretty oh, intense. Um, mm-hmm. So I was going there on the weekends, <laughs> driving up there from Virginia beach on the weekends, brewing, transferring, doing all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, going back and doing, you know, that's like an hour, isn't it? Yeah. That's a lot of work. Man. At least, <laughs> at least an hour, no traffic, huh? No traffic, which this just made me tired. talking about it. <laughs> For real. Nice. True. Those was a nightmare. So, yeah. So anyway, we got that. We got that launched. Uh, our opening day was I think December first, twenty seventeen, at Bamberox, and about uh, maybe not quite three, two weeks before we opened up, um, there was another brewery that has Ox in its name that told us that we could not use that name for a brewery. Which, mm. um, so we, I had this name, Precarious Beer Project, kind of in the back pocket of something I thought would be kind of a fun beer name, mm-hmm. a brewery name. It. it and so I presented it and they liked it. And so we worked on some branding and stuff. And then eventually we rebranded a bunch of times and came up, uh, had artists come up with this. Uh, but um, we, so we rebranded and we had Carrie's Beer Project. It was in the Amber Rocks uh, okay. public house, which is how they rebranded. And then we got an opportunity to build out that second location because they, we were being successful. People really loved the Amber Rocks and it was um, kind of changing the landscape, I think of Williamsburg cuisine yeah. and um, nightlife. And so, we took precarious out. We took the precarious name and made a whole new separate thing with precarious. And then, um, and we still have the brewery at the Amber Rocks. We just call it the precarious beer lab because it's a smaller system. We do a little mm. bit of one-off stuff and we don't can there. It's really, we tried canning there once and it was a nightmare. So yeah, we almost dropped the uh, canning line off the truck and stuff. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty, pretty rough. So we tried it's to not. Sounds like it. But, Hmm. Too much work for me. I'm just. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to take a nap out of the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you had precarious already in, the, in your back pocket in terms of the name. Is that because you wanted to get back to the to you like you were saying you wanted to move from that the production monster that um, Commonwealth became into more small batches? That why precarious became, or is there just some reason you just like the word precarious? I just always thought about it that way. I think about business in my head a lot and opportunities and branding and stuff. And, you know, I, it was something that kind of resonated with me as a cool name. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I thought represented an idea of kind of what I wanted to do eventually was something that's always new. Cause like I've always done production brewing. So it's been, you know, about flagships. It's been, you know, you have to have the core beers and then you're getting to play around with your, um, 
seasonals and sometimes they'll let you do one-offs or whatever. But I found that really tedious and really after a while that I was just done with that um, from a personal standpoint. I was just, you know, doing that over and over again, it just gets kind of, it's grind. So having the opportunity to do something that was really creative and really getting expressed what I wanted to do um, was really cool. So we were doing, when I first started, we were doing, tons of different beers and we're putting weird stuff in there and, you know, taking Saison's and putting sorrel and, you know, doing uh, really cool culinary inspired beers. Uh, so we were doing some really cool stuff there. Um, and then, you know, obviously the IPAs and stuff became really famous and popular. So we beer hall is a little more like give the people what they want in terms of the hits. And we do mm-hmm. so like lagers and IPAs and double IPAs and, um, we don't do as much of the culinary inspired stuff there, but that's where the ox is kind of a little more of our playground mm-hmm. with that. Uh, yeah, Cause I remember when uh, we spoke with uh, uh, Nick, Nick there, he was saying that he used to work at that facility that, yeah. that houses the, uh, the hall. Cause you can still see somewhere the dividers and the walls were. Uh, so it's definitely a cool space. So if um, our li- listeners out there, if you are in uh, Williamsburg, definitely check it out. Sure. Um, yeah. Speaking of, uh, Checking out, I have been sipping on this. Don't tell mom the babysitter is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I want to never. I don't think done. I. Um, this you is, didn't pick up on that immediately, though. I, I probably no, because I, oh. I, I drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say probably? Uh, probably no. Probably <laughs> why, would, why would you think that? I drink, <laughs> drink a lot of beer with a lot of names on it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell mom a lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> the babysitter's date is kind of outrageous to don't tell mom. Yeah, because it, uh, uh, you like seen the movie, what? right? You guys seen the movie? Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Right, yo. right. I couldn't believe she was she was actually smart in that movie. Like I was so <laughs> fixated on Kelly Bundy, it messed me All up. Right. <laughs> First time watching, like, whoa. What a made a minute the QED reports. <laughs> yeah, remember, remember, I'm sure remember she when he did the dishes? Still in her prime, though. Yeah, that's my point. When he was doing the dishes, <laughs> yeah. so we we have another sour beer that's called the dishes. I think it's the dishes are done, man. Uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> and, and then always she's always saying, "Right on top of that, Rose." Right. <laughs> we have one called. Right on top of that ghost. Uh, okay. Right on top of that ghost. That's what's up. So, yeah, we, we definitely. We, we, the funny thing was that series didn't start as a uh, Don't Tell Mom Babysitter's Dead thing. The first beer was called Daddy's Gone mm. um, because I flew back to Seattle to see my kids. And um, while I was gone, they texted me. Andrew texted me. He was like, I want to brew this beer. Can we brew this beer? I was like, well, it's going to mess the entire schedule up that I planned for you guys, like, when I'm gone. Uh, like, please say yes, please say yes. I was like, fine. So I wrote him a recipe and sent it to him. <laughs> and uh, so they brewed it, and they called it Daddy's Gone because I was out. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I and like then, that. And then so I was like, well, it's a kind of a fun series, and he made a label for it. That was cool. So I was like, well, why don't we keep the series going? We'll do another one with raspberries and dry hop with Idaho Gem and call it Don't Tell Mom as like mm-hmm. a homage to the daddy's gone. You know, don't yeah. tell mom that we, you know, um, bought pizza. Right. Right. Yeah. We ate pizza when she was gone. So um, it was more like that. And then people started saying, like, don't tell mom babysitter's dad. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess. And so we kind of played on that. <laughs> going, yeah, now that you said it, yeah. <laughs> this is the second time we brewed don't tell mom. Okay. Oh, good. good. So we had the babysitter's dead on there as a homage. And then we also have one called the babysitter's dead. 
Mm. Yo, but I it's it's this don't tell mom is pretty good. It's not what I expected it to be though. It's a um it's In what like, way? it's lighter than I thought it was gonna be. It has You're a sour. Probably expecting like the lactose sweet. sweet, unfermented. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, so we don't really do that. Um, we we can our beers, and we don't know where it's going to go. Oftentimes, we send it up to distro. Oh right. So we can't risk exploding cans, and we don't have the technology like the veil does to pasteurize the cans, so they don't do that. Um, so we we ferment out all the fruit to make sure that it's not going to explode. Um, I tend to like fermented out fruit beers more anyway. I think they're more refreshing, more interesting. We do try to build some body into them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we dry hop a little bit to give a little more extra, you know, interest and depth to them. So mm-hmm. this is much more like a traditional Berliner Weisses are a little bit drier. Um, mm-hmm. Ghosts are a little bit drier and then the fruit is usually fermented out. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's dry. But it's, uh, it's, it's good. For some reason, I find myself like chewing it. For some, like oh, when nice. I, yo, when I drink it, I'm like, <laughs> thinking, it, huh? thinking about the raspberries. Is that what it is? <laughs> you know, raspberries do usually have like that 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 grainy, like kind of, you know, like that that pit, or it's like not really seediness or whatever it is. But that, I think it is the seeds, yeah, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. is that what it is? But but it's all in your mind because there's no seeds or anything, <laughs> right? And it's, yeah, I think it's just I think it's just the, power, the, the the tangy sour and the sourness from it is just having me go, boom. Yeah, and, and definitely the sour. Sa- they're definitely, I mean, definitely sour. Um, and like I said, it is Berliner Weiss because it's not like the goes goes to what, where it would be a little more saltier. Uh, so right. this yeah. is definitely uh Definitely good. I, I, I you know, I it. think that's what happened. I was maybe I was expecting more, like more of a saltier flavor from it. Uh, uh, gotcha. <laughs> but no, it's, it's it's really good. It's really um, good. Now, I, I know you mentioned um, Adam a few times in terms of the. Uh, I guess so. Who who makes up the whole? I guess the brain trust of uh, Precarious Beer Project. Good question, uh, Rob. Yeah, so we have uh, two owners, are Andrew and Chris. Uh, Chris is. Uh, he owns his, he owns like seven other, um, seven other businesses too. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's run around and, you know, Mr. Fix it over at all those places and he's, you know, trying to take care of things. So he's, he's around quite a bit, even for that. Uh, he's around probably a few times a week. Um, so, um, and he chimes in with important stuff and obviously he's a, a big shareholder in the company. Um, and then Andrew is more, more of the managing partners. Andrew's like, you know, every day in, in, in the operations and um, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So Andrew's more of the, the active uh, partner. Um, Chris is very active as well, as much as he can be while still trying to do his other stuff. Um, and so uh, it's me and Andrew. Um, we have a kind of director of operations guy that floats between the two. Um, that's Matt. Um, and he's kind of just making sure everybody kind of needs what gets what they need and helps helps where yep. you need help. And, um, and then we have general manager, um, Nick who runs things out front and make sure everything's running smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our head chef, uh, uh, which is Mike Pollard. So he's taking care of the recipes and, you know, he's, he's putting together the tacos and making sure that's all on point. And then Seth is his sous chef who does a lot of that as well. Um, and then back in the brewery, it's it's me as brewmaster, and we have uh, Matt Fonts, who um, basically runs the Amber Ox at this point. So he's running the beer lab at the Amber Ox. He's brewing over there. 
and then comes back and helps me out sometimes. And then uh, we have Owen who is uh seller hand part-time right now. And then we'll eventually move into full-time. So nice. Um, he also helps out up front. So if you guys are over there and Owen's up front, he's also one of the guys who helps up the back. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I got to, I think next time we're uh, in, uh, in your, in, in town, we need to venture and make sure we visit the other location too. Yeah. I mean, that's an awesome place for dinner. Uh, amazing, amazing food. Chef Brock over there is, um, was Brock is more like executive chef. So he kind of helps with the taco shop a little bit too, but, um, right. he's, he's kind of revamped everything at the, at the end Brock's and they make incredible, like progressive Southern comfort food and like really cool local cuisine. And then, um, the cocktail program there is unreal. Like the, the cocktails are phenomenal at the end Brock's. So if you guys are into cocktails, bourbon, um, anything cocktail related, it's pretty phenomenal. Nice, nice. Yeah, <laughs> make that drive, man. Let's do it. It was fast. <laughs> going up there for the weekend or you know, for the week? Week. Okay. Oh, yeah, pass. <laughs> yeah. See, hey, we loved it so much. We rebooked. I was about to say it was so good. Y'all did it, was it again. so good. Yeah, y'all were just there yeah. like three weeks ago, right? Not even a month ago. <laughs> Dude, we 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 try to we try we try to do it back to back. Y'all should have just kept your asses there. Because yeah. we really were at the tail end, uh, Greg. Just from when we came there and visited that Thursday, we were at the tail end right when you guys were about to do your uh, Black is Beautiful um can release. Oh, cool. Saturday, and we were like, shit, we're going to miss it. We're yeah. leaving, you know? Um, and, and that kind of was our, our uh, you know, our, our, our introduction, you know, to Nick and uh, sitting down having a conversation with him um, just about what it is that we do, the platform we have, um, and how that, um, you know, really um, leads itself to, hey, we're, we're not just here as patrons buying beer, but we, you know, we... We definitely will want to uh, get an opportunity to, to, to taste uh, the the uh, the blackest view beautiful that was coming out that Saturday. So, um, segue for you, Rob. Um, to uh, now, when you say segue for you, Rob, <laughs> <laughs> you were looking down, so I had to get your attention. <laughs> I, I, I can hear you. <laughs> 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 That's stupid. Uh, well, it's been only eighty-one episodes. <laughs> hey, you know you get it. You get it all recorded and all. <laughs> right, right. Uh, as you said, speaking of the uh, the blacks, beautiful. Uh, your I guess your, your variation of uh, blacks, beautiful. How did that one come together? Because it is it's not just the imperial style, but it's a it's a whole lot more. Uh, uh, so how yeah. did that how did that all come together? Um, from the, I guess, some weathering souls, um, weather, weathered souls initiative. Yeah, weathered souls. So, how did that um, all come together? Uh, so, weathered souls put out the recipe, the base recipe for that stout, which is pretty much we followed that pretty closely. Uh, they also said, "Feel free to play with it and add stuff. Um, you know, mm-hmm. different treatments. Um, you know, make it yours." So, we decided to boost it up a little bit with some lactose to try to get it a um, little silky, a little creamy. Um, the original recipe actually had a lot of late edition hops of Cascade, um, which I love Cascade, but I don't necessarily like it in stouts. Yeah. Hoppy, hoppy Imperial stouts would be a really tough sell around here. So we wanted to make sure that the beer was something that people actually wanted to drink around here and, and buy in cans and yeah. still be interesting. So um, we just took some of the late hops out. Um, and then I thought about, 
I thought of, uh, different treatments, there's different treatments you can do to stouts. And, um, I thought we'd be interesting as I could get, I could get Ghana, uh, cocoa nips from Ghana, which I think was kind of cool. And they're amazing. Um, mm. so those went into the, to the beer and that really lends like a nutty full bodiness to the beer. It's, it's almost more of a texture, like a tannin texture than a, um, than a flavor, but they do taste like milk chocolate. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the chilies are, um, pretty subtle. So I didn't use a whole lot of chilies, but I wanted a little bit of like a umami boost almost mm-hmm. and a little bit of sensory boost to that. And there's some fruitiness to the beer, to that, to those peppers, um, mm-hmm. that kind of plays with it. And then, um, the all, I like allspice a lot. And the allspice that I got is from uh, a, a spice shop around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it actually kind of also reminded me of like the jerk chicken seasoning, which I think I is really good. Okay. Allspice, you must like uh, yeah. Jamaican food. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and, and talking with Sean and, and, and some of his friends who were instrumental in helping us kind of put the whole uh, event on and kind of change our attitude about how we include the, the you know, the people of color community and how would they can be better actively inclusive. Um, it, it was really eye opening me to see also how different and varied the black experience is in the United States. And so mm-hmm. everyone seems to experience similar things, but in different ways. And very, like, it's not just like the black community and the white community. There's inside of that, there's so many different experiences. Right, right. Absolutely. So to try to pay homage to that, I think it was putting, different ingredients and that kind of point towards different, expe- different experiences. I agree. That's awesome. Point there. Definitely, I, definitely the uh, jerk chicken, the uh, flavor of it. Yeah. The allspice on this. Yeah. And then they made a taco to pair with it. That's a uh, jerk chicken uh, taco with like a, <laughs> see, didn't get to get, didn't get to experience that. But we yeah. did. Y'all be back next week. But we did meet the chef that, um, that was, he was yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of help with the yeah. recipe as Helped well. With the recipe. Was, yeah. I think that's what Nick was saying that he was, um, uh, instrumental in terms of trying to get that, that. that jerk chicken flavor or uh, essence, you know, I guess it was. Like essence, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, he didn't help me with that, but that must be something he put on. <laughs> yeah, he he put together a really fantastic uh, jerk chicken uh, taco. taco. Like a okay. Local peach and mango chutney on top. Oh yeah, damn. Yeah, there's some habanero and stuff in there. It's, it's okay. Yeah, I want, I want okay. To... Hey, Greg, I'm. I'm curious about the Black is Beautiful uh, can. Did Weather Souls reach out to you guys, or did you hear the call and reach out to them? And and if you reached out to them, what prompted you guys to want to reach out and, and do a Black is Beautiful uh, can? Uh, so we we had committed to doing that beer probably like two to three weeks before the incident that we had on our patio. You, I don't know if you guys heard about that, but yeah, um, no, yeah. I, I didn't. Didn't. Tell, tell, our, tell every, I haven't heard of it and either. probably our fans haven't either. So tell us that all. Um, there was uh black lives matter, uh, not protest, but it was, it, it was a march. Um, it was a march. Yeah. Peaceful March that um, was coming down our street mm-hmm. and um, someone on our patio um basically like shoot them away, kind of said, get out of here and stop. Kind mm, of okay. And so they came up to the patio that the whole movement came up to the patio and started engaging this woman. Um, and she ended up, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 um, they uh, started engaging each other and um, we, and then asked them, the patrons to move inside so we could get them paid out and kick them out of the establishment because they were not being nice to these to this to these marchers mm-hmm. 
in the process of that, she stood up and took her beer and dumped it on the. Oh no! Um, well, I think it was the lead, one of the leaders of the of the march who was wow. also, who was a, a black woman who was also pregnant. Oh, uh, not a good look for anybody to do that. Right. Oh. Uh, oh. So it was it was a pretty bad thing. It was all caught on camera, um, and it was it was pretty nasty. Um, and this woman had a history of of you know pretty uh, blatantly racist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tweets and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. she, we picked them out and there was a little bit of back and forth about how he handled it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more just a timing thing than anything. And, and so mm-hmm. it, we hadn't announced that we were doing black is beautiful um, because we were still trying to fit it in the pipeline for the brewery. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed kind of reactionary, but it was actually already planned because we wanted to be more inclusive um, yeah. and, and support the movement, mm-hmm. but it was still definitely timing wise. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was good for us to be able to have that. Y'all got that lady's address. Y'all should go drop a case of uh, Black is Beautiful. <laughs> the whole case. The whole case. She like beer, case. too. You know yeah, she like you beer. Like beer. You, yeah. Yeah, you already know she like beer. Because <laughs> <laughs> anything she does with that is great publicity for your brewery <laughs> and for Black is Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. So to, so to tag, tag on to that incident that happened, um, how did you guys uh, formalize the event uh, that happened I guess that Saturday, which was uh like July eleventh ish, am I right? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. That was a Saturday. Yeah, yeah it was Saturday. Um, so we um we had a one of our big fans guy that comes up and grabs beer from us all the time. Uh, Sean. Um, he goes by P Loves Beer on Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We looked him up. Stuff a bunch of times and reached out to him and we had conversations and stuff. Um, and he reached out to us after the incident on the patio and um, as a way to like, we were like, how do we move forward from this? You know, like, how do we, how do we show our intentions? Um, how do we engage and how do we keep engaging and how do we show, you know, that we're part of the movement forward. Okay. Um, and Sean was awesome about coming in and talking to us about kind of perspective and, and how we can get back to the community and how we can help the youth in the community and, you know, um, where we should put our effort and our money, um, to better the cause. So he was awesome with that. Um, and we invited him to come brew the beer with us cause we were brewing it the next day after that meeting. And we're like, yeah, bring, bring your friends, bring whoever you want to bring. So nice. we brought a whole crew of, um, people that, uh, people of color that love beer. Um, so mm-hmm. we, had cool conversations about, you know, marketing and, you know, you know, how do, how do we engage, um, and how do we honor, but not feel pandering? Um, mm-hmm. cause that's not something we want to do either. We want to be, mm-hmm. you know, inclusive and honest about that. Yeah. Um, and so Sean helped us come up with some great ideas and, and the whole group came up with some really good ideas for the Black's Beautiful event. Um, Andrew found this really killer band that does like spoken word, hip hop, funk, mm-hmm jazz they had this incredible sound and they were really fun um and then you know we did some food pairings and stuff and, and we just wanted to make it as like as as a honest true fun event for everybody to be there and it was really great to have it was it was one of the most rewarding days of my craft brewing career just to see oh, so many people of color in that building and so many people feel comfortable and welcome yeah. and yeah. It, it was really cool and be able to be part of that and have friends there that we're experiencing that was really cool. That's what's up. For sure, for sure. Yeah, keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I mentioned, um, just as you're t- uh, talking about, you know, just 
kind of being in a space where you're feeling comfortable and where you're feeling, you know, the energy is good. Um, one thing I shared with uh, some past uh, podcast guests were uh, just for me personally, how I move, I move, I move as if I'm, I'm privileged when I go to places. Um, even if there's challenges with, you know, with racial divides or, or, or anything like anything like that, I move as if I'm as if I'm privileged. I don't go into a space with that mindset of um, I could be denied or that I uh, might be rejected or anything like that. Um, just so that um, you know, just kind of knowing your own value, knowing your own self worth, so that when you when you move around, um, you're not you know moving with this kind of. Uh, just, just with this, this is again with good energy. Just moving as if you're privileged, and I think that that goes yeah. a long way when you go into um, places, uh, and that further supports the whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement. Of hey, um, we shouldn't have to actually um, make this a- an announcement, but because we're in these times, it is more profound, and, and we need to. But just mm-hmm. to follow that, you know, move as if you're privileged is a, is a, is a term that I, you know, I, I keep inside me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Makes sense. Always so, dope, Dev. So have y'all, um, so before the, the situation took place, did you see, like, with with, with y'all brewery, um, did y'all have a lot of black customers coming in there in the first place, or was it just, like, here and there? Well, it's Williamsburg, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know the history. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot of diversity in Williamsburg. Um it's predominantly, you know, white and higher income. Um, but that being said, we actually did, I, I was pleasantly surprised at how many, um, people call her, you know, black, um, Latino, uh, any, anything that any, any people of color were, were showing up to precarious, um, which was, which was cool. It was kind of surprising and just because of the demographic of the area. Um, yeah. and, and we have always thought that, you know, craft beers for everybody and, and, and it should be, um, but it's historically been mostly, you know, white men yeah. that are interested in craft beer. So um, we also see a lot of um, women that come into Precarious that love Precarious brand and, and they feel really welcome. Um, we try to make beers that are accessible to new, um, new craft beer enthusiasts as well, because um, there's a huge one tap market for people that have not experienced craft beer yet. Right. And, right. Um, so I think that has lent itself to more people getting into craft beer through precarious. And that tends to be, um, you know, new, new, younger kids. And it also, um, younger women are really getting into craft beer and people of color are getting craft beer too. So it has felt more diverse as, as time's gone on. And, um, it's also been surprising how diverse it has seemed, you know, even given the circumstances. Exactly. Um, so is there, I guess, what can we expect from, I guess, Precarious and the, I guess, the ne- is there any cam releases coming out like this week or next week or something like that? And if, um, y'all trying 20- to figure out what y'all going to get when y'all go there. Hey, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, uh, one and done and beers change. I'm excited. Uh, so funny enough, daddy's gone is, uh, coming back Wednesday. Uh, okay. So that's, uh, peaches, Cinnamon and vanilla Gosa. Okay, y'all can bring that back. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime you want. Tuck us, tuck us some cans, Greg. Tuck us yeah. some cans. I'll take that. Ah, we're coming for them. Yeah, how much, is the shipping? how much is the shipping? <laughs> Ain't no shipping. They go, go get it. We going there. <laughs> we already shipped. Right. I forgot. 
I forgot that just that quick. You must be uh, drinking we, too much. Uh, this is a lot of cans. Which is uh, it looks like a Purell hand sanitizer. Can. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think I saw the can. Yeah. So what's it called? Uh, pure hell. Oh, oh, pure hell. <laughs> pure, <laughs> hell. <laughs> pure hell. Nice. Uh, because before that, we did Life Solve. Um, oh, nice. Uh, and it looked like a Lysol wipes can. That's nice. nice. So we did that one. It's just topical for the, the time. Yeah. Uh, and so we did that. And then we've got, uh, see what else we got coming up. Um, we got Fortune and Glory in a few weeks. It's going to be coming out. That's um, our. Um, that's our uh, Bohemian style Pilsner, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, and then we've got, what do we got right now? Um, we've got another couple IPAs coming out. We have a, it seems like we always have an IPA or two coming out, um, mm-hmm. but they're all pretty darn good. So, pretty mm-hmm. uh, so from from start to finish, like if you got a new a new project, a new beer that you guys want to put out, like how long does it take from idea? To actually in the actual brewery being poured for the get for the customers, uh, it tends, depends a little bit about uh, you know what yeast we're using and stuff like that. But it's yeah, more or less um, from time of recipe development, it takes maybe three business days to get the ingredients. Um, sometimes more if, if hops are coming from the west coast, um, mm-hmm. and then it's usually like a ten to fourteen day turnaround for the actual product. Oh, um, nice. Sometimes okay, longer if it's one more weeks clear beer. So some of our loggers we let sit a little bit longer. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, usually it's about a three week turnaround. Okay. Okay. That's products. real quick. That's real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. We try to take care of our yeast and make sure that, you know, if we get a really healthy pitch of yeast and treat it well, that yeast will clean itself up really fast, do a fermentation quickly, no mm-hmm. off flavors, and then that beer's ready to serve faster. So if we're taking mm-hmm. care of the yeast, then it'll take care of us in terms yeah. of time. So, Greg, quick question. I know we're obviously tasting three uh, of many beers for Precarious. Uh, for a first-time patron coming into uh, uh, Precarious, uh, what would you line up as uh, in their flight if you if they went totally by your recommendation? Depends on when they come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. True. But just, you know, based on what's kind of in, in your lineup or in your wheelhouse now, what would be, you know, your, your top uh, – are they are they five five flights usually or four? How how do you, how do you guys do it? And what will be? We don't do flights actually. Um, you don't. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know that. Eight flights. I will. You do. I will, I will take that to my grave with me. All right. You well, said you well, hate tell, tell tell us more. There's, there's, there's a, yeah. There's why? A, there's a story behind that. <laughs> yeah. So we always try to keep. We don't do do flights because I don't feel like this much of any beer is going to give you an experience that's worthy of making a decision on that beer. Okay. Um, I think the only thing that I can tell you is if that style is for you. Um, mm-hmm. But and so many people are consistently our lowest because we do that at the Amber Rocks. We have flights there. Okay. Um, and consistently, our lowest reviews um, social media come from people who are tasting flights. Ah. And part of that is the way it's presented. I think part of it's the way that people are going into get into these going into these beers looking to be critical mm-hmm. and when you present them with a flight that's exactly what you're doing is you're like here critique these you know that's interesting because i never i've never I've gotten never a flight and thought about criticizing i thought about trying to taste every yeah. beer and, and having a, 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 a expand your right palate. exactly yeah i've and always thought about it as a more of an experience rather than yeah, i i'm, I'm looking forward like- to hating this beer that's silly <laughs> that seems silly 
It does. It is silly. And I think not everyone thinks that way, but I mean, the way that you're approaching it, I think is exactly where, how you should yeah. be approaching it. Right. Um, what we will do is we will do like four ounce pours of beers for people. Mm-hmm. So okay. if you're really okay. on the fence um, and you want to get four ounce pours of a few beers, you can basically do a de facto tasting. It's just a mm-hmm. larger pour and you get charged per pour, um, but it's pretty reasonable. Um, oh, yeah. So we don't okay. want to deny anybody tasting the beers. We just don't want to have like a, a flight that we put out there because, and, and honestly, it's a huge waste of our bartender's time. Yeah. Um, because okay. they, they can pour one flight in the time it takes them to pour four, five, six pints. Speaking from beer. a beer tender, that is fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. And there's true flights. Yeah. Too. Got yeah. it. Okay. So you never knew that. That's a great learning, perspective. Learning. Yeah, that's yeah, a great perspective. And, and like as he says it, and I think about it, it's kind of even it's with true. you trying to figure out what kind of beer that you like. If you just going into it, it's really kind of hard to figure out with a flight because yeah. one, you you drink a stout and then you go right behind it and drink an IPA. Like yeah, like I was I was actually like, actually listening to Greg. I was thinking like I would want the beer tender to tell me the order. Oh, yeah. In order to, to in order to drink it, but then at the same time, like, is it the right Still temperature now? Yeah. Like, is it like if, if the stout is last or the gosa is last? Is it at the proper temperature? Yeah, like all these different the things that I never you even thought of. And I want four ounces. Give me, let me taste four ounces mm-hmm. over two. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's we do that because we care about the beer, we care about perception of the beer, and we care about true. Experience. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think the flight at our at our particular place um, would. Take away doesn't do you justice. Doesn't do yeah. It doesn't do any good. Okay. But, and also, I feel like service is a huge part of that. So if we're not training our bartenders right, and they're not passionate about the product, mm-hmm. and they're not listening to the customer, mm-hmm. um, they should be able to. They should be able to narrow you down to two beers on that menu. And right. Then, you know, right. Without gotcha. it being it, right. Without involving a flight and find you your perfect beer for that moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that engages yeah. that engages our customers with the client, and like it just. Mm-hmm. Yeah with our bartenders and, and it creates a better experience for everybody. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, I don't know if you mentioned uh, in terms, I know a lot of proceeds are going to uh, different organizations for black is beautiful. Did you mention what um, this particular beer is going to? It's going to the Williamsburg area NAACP. Okay. okay. Oh, good. good. Okay. Right. That was actually one of the suggestions that Sean made. Um, Cause we were, we were looking for a, a local uh, way to get back um, directly right. to the community here um and then we are also in july every a dollar for every four pack of cans sold goes to um the national black lives matter movement and that's just uh what just a regular just of any beer of any beer yeah okay mm-hmm. that's dope oh. right. that's real man i right. like it uh any more questions for greg no. Oh, plenty more, but I'm gonna let him off the hook. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take take the mics down there next week and uh, put them in his face. <laughs> so, so you did say that you're there pretty much, um, you know, most days except for Sunday and Monday. Um, we would, you know, we would we would like to, you know, meet you in person. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe grab grab a bite. You know, yeah. talk talk over tacos. You know, talk about some things. That, <laughs> so corny, talk over, <laughs> talk over tacos. You know, that that could be a that could be a whole episode. Talk over that, tacos. Look at that. That black is that black is beautiful with them taco, them jerk chicken tacos yes, yes. for sure. But you know, as we talk over tacos, maybe we could uh, just kind of just share with you kind of what uh, more about our platform. Obviously, where you're kind of on the interview kind of side, uh, but it seems like that. You, you guys are some very, very down-to-earth uh, folks who 
who not just get beer, but um, you, you know, you get people, you're involved in your community, you're involved in things that matter. Um, and, and, you know, we can, we can kind of sh- share with you some, some of our thoughts and ideas of, uh, of, of, you know, of, of what could come, you know, in the future that you guys could be, you know, be a part of. That sounds great. Yeah. We always yeah. want to kind of keep moving forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How far do you guys, how, how far do you guys travel and just in terms of even like being a part of different beer fests, obviously, you know, beer fests that are happening or have, uh, you know, have been shut down or, or postponed or canceled, uh, uh, have you guys participated in, uh, in beer fests and, and, um, and yeah. what's that space look like for you guys? We've done a ton of beer fests in Virginia, obviously. Uh, so we distribute Virginia and North Carolina. So okay. those are really the only two places we go. I think, I don't think we've done DC yet. We've done Alexandria. Okay. Um, so we've, we've done beer fests, uh, up in Alexandria. We've done beer fests, um, Northern Virginia. Uh, we've done beer fests all over the place. Uh, we went, to one down in North Carolina, I think it was Charlotte. Okay. Uh, so, what time uh, of the year was this? <laughs> <laughs> what time of the year was it when you? Yeah, went what to- time of year? We need to know. Oh, oh, um, I think it was summer. Uh, I actually didn't go. I um, we had um, two of our um, employees representatives go. Yeah, I was. I think I was. Still, I think I was brewing or something. I couldn't mm-hmm. make it, but um, and the connection probably, that we made to probably. get us down there was we sent the people that actually made those connections. Yeah. You know? oh, okay. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh. We ended up we ended up uh, making good friends with the the heist uh, brewery down there. Um, uh, Ryan, who's like kind of their, their social media manager and events coordinator and stuff. Um, he's he's been a good supporter of ours now too. So we're hoping to get something with heist going. Be kind of cool. Oh, nice. Um, all, right. Oh. all right. Once again, I want to like to thank Greg Fleehart from Precarious Beer Project for coming on. Thank yes. you very much, yes. Greg. Yes. Appreciate you. Where's that? Where's the good round of applause at, Rob? Yeah. He got that big switchboard over there. He, he did it. That's playing. Love it. <laughs> yeah. love you know it. we can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear it on the playback. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but, but before we always wrap up, we like to know where people can find. Uh, uh, information about precarious or or yourself. Um, so, mm-hmm. where can they find you on these uh, these worldwide webs? Um, so <laughs> precariousgear.com is our website. You can link to all of our social media through there. So, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, those are the two major platforms that we utilize. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram if you want, but it's mostly mountain biking videos. Okay, that's your that's your thing. Oh, that's that's your thing. Scars. See the elbows, the yeah, the, the uh, christenings. So it's mostly mountain bike videos and pictures of brewing. So if you're interested in that, you can follow me there. Yeah, um, and then, yeah, we're, we're constantly updating our social media with um, events, with can releases, um, with just kind of what's happening in the brewery. Um, so you can kind of see kind of who we are through that. Cool. All right. Uh, and obviously, come see us at the actual location. Yeah. We're what's, the, what's, what's the uh, address? Yeah, so yeah what's, the, what's the address to your locations, Greg? Well, the beer hall is uh, 110 South Henry Street. And that's Williamsburg, Virginia, and two three one eight five zip. And then the Amber Ox Public House with Precarious Beer Lab is five two five Prince George. Okay, there you go. Yeah, um, and that's uh, Williamsburg as well. Williamsburg in the building, uh, and you can walk. You can walk to both of them. They're only about three blocks away. Oh, really? Really? Oh, that's yeah. good to know. Oh, oh good. good. Yeah, yeah, that's, I did not know that. <laughs> you, you get dinner and cocktails. At, yeah. Um, at the lab, and then you walk it's and going get, down. 
Oh, we gotta hire a nanny, uh, Rob. Y'all need a y'all need a traveling all pair. You need an all pair. No, all we gotta do is go online to care.com. Ain't that, vetting, ain't that vetting different during no. quarantine? Right, not in the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, right. it's a different type of vetting. <laughs> um, uh, is, oh, last question: Is it a, is do you have a kid friendly brewery? Yes, um, well behaved kids are welcome at our brewery. Absolutely, okay. <laughs> absolutely. Actually, a lot of people love it because they bring their kids and hand them a bag of quarters and say, "Go play games." Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do have the video yeah, games. Got video games. Yeah. We got uh, Pac-Man Battle Royale. Got, oh, the forty-year-old oh. kids like that too. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. We'll Give me you. a bag of quarters. Yeah. He, said, well he said well behaved. He said well behaved. So don't that's bring true. Up. <laughs> up. We have a, a ba- Pac-Man battle royale, so you can play Pac-Man against three other people. Oh wow! Oh, nice. man. And it's right next to the brewery. And I will tell you, people make the weirdest noises when they play that game. <laughs> I bet. It sounds, it sounds pornographic. If you guys are playing that game, just be mindful of your sounds. Right. Yes. <laughs> and that you can and that you can hear. Like, mm-hmm. I will be judging them. Right, especially after you have a few beers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Nothing else. Nothing else is, does that. It's just that one game. It's just that one game. Oh, that's, that's funny. funny. <laughs> All right. Dev, where can they find you? Uh, you can find Devin Aaron on Instagram at Devin Aaron underscore the underscore great. All right. Lou? You can find me what? at Lou Belgium for all your beer oh. needs. <laughs> Back I'm on them Instagrams. Why you get that close to the camera? I don't know. Yeah, get back. Ah. Like Luda, like Luda says, get back. <laughs> get back. And yo, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at 302 Yoda and on Instagram and Facebook at Delaware on Grind. All right. And you can find yeah. Bruising Banter Podcast at Bruising Banter Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can listen to us on. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts like iHeartRadio and Pandora. <laughs> and you can go That's to Banter and get that merch if you like to as well. That merch. Sure get that merch. Face masks, please do. T-shirts, glasses. We in here. No, there's, and also, there's, there's, what the We got the vendor to do the glasses, so you know, why not promote it? <laughs> you know, and also, don't forget that you can still go on to uh, www.craftforbrew.com and put in the promo code BBP4 and get 15% off on your uh, home brewing uh, kits. That's right. Yes, bruising banter podcast four four yeah the number four bb4 absolutely uh well until next time this has been episode 81 peace have a good week everyone pleasure meeting you man bye thanks for coming thank you